This season of The Ones Who Succeed is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, technology, design, and more. You can take classes in social media marketing, video editing, entrepreneurship, you name it, they've got it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or just explore a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today. Because Skillshare is offering the ones who succeed listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes all for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com succeed. Again, that's Skillshare.com succeed. That link is how they know we, the ones who succeed, send you to start your first two months now. That link is also in the description of this podcast. And a special thanks to Skillshare for sponsoring the show. So almost every morning, I wake up at 7 a.m. and get ready for the day. Aside from the basic tasks, brushing my teeth, you know, making my bed and having a shower, I recently started building a new habit into my routine. And that habit is meditation. So no matter what's going on in your life right now, just take a moment to sit down and take a big, deep breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I tried to build meditation into my morning routine years ago. However, I was first exposed to mindfulness in grade 7, and I loved how it felt after I meditated. But when it was up to me, and I was at home trying to meditate in the morning, I always had trouble finding time. However, since that first experience meditating in grade 7, I thought I would give it a go again. And this time, something clicked, and I was able to build meditation into my morning routine. Now, like I said before, since I recently started meditating in the morning, I've missed a few days here and there. However, I still consider it part of my day-to-day habits and definitely feel like it has helped me in life. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because today's guest is a person who is somewhat responsible for me sitting down every day for 10 minutes and doing nothing. Because Rich Pearson, the co-founder and CEO of the popular meditation app Headspace, is a big reason why I believe so strongly in mindfulness and meditation as a way to increase productivity, focus, and de-stress your life. And I'm not the only one who thinks this. Because as of late 2018, Headspace has over 37 million users in more than 180 different countries, and was recently valued at over 320 million US dollars. My name is Campbell Barron, and I'm a 15-year-old entrepreneur and content creator from Toronto, Canada. And you are listening to my podcast, The Ones Who Succeed, where each week I meet with inspiring entrepreneurs and talk to them about their journey to success. You have to have an element of of not being too scared, because so many things could go wrong all the time. And if you only thought about all the things that could go wrong rather than things that could go right, I don't think you'd ever get out of bed in the morning and Mm -hmm. do it. Hear their stories, experiences, and firsthand what it took to succeed in their field. Why am I doing this? Because I want to learn from the ones who succeed. And you can too.
Okay, so I met up with Rich in late November at the Headspace headquarters in Santa Monica, California. And following the consistent theme of the show, my conversation with Rich really starts at the very beginning of his life, when he was a kid living in the UK. Um, where'd you grow up? I grew up in a place called Kent, which is just south of London, mm-hmm. uh, about an hour outside of London. Uh, and I grew up in, uh, like in the middle of the countryside. Um, so it wasn't, I was an only child until I was 11. So you had to make up a lot of your own, own yeah. fun to amuse yourself. And were you creative? Yeah, I would say in the, like I used to build camps. I used to ride motorbikes. I used to used to play a lot of computer games. Like I, I just was. I used to build a lot of Lego and Meccano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was just always pretty active and involved in in doing things. I would say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things I see with entrepreneurs, they generally are influenced by something. Yeah. Were your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah, both my parents were entrepreneurs. My mum, mm-hmm. she had a dress shop when I was about five. Yeah. She's still got that dress shop to today. Like she's still in the same business. So like 30 years later, over 30 years. And my dad, since he was about 21, 22, he had a heating company. Um, so I, I, he had me when he was 30. So he was like eight years into his career there. So yeah, they. I was always surrounded by entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh they're entrepreneurs it was just like they worked for themselves yeah it wasn't like a thing it was just like oh yeah they they run their own business yeah it just seemed pretty normal and you saw that in a positive light i didn't yeah i just i was just it was just kind of very normal and i thought yeah i just it felt doable i suppose because it felt so normal mm-hmm. um and i i they enjoyed it yeah so i kind of and they had freedom so those things i suppose were definitely positive if I talked to fifteen-year-old Rick, Rich, yeah. did you would you say you were going to be an entrepreneur? You're going to run this big company? No, I don't think I would have like said I was going to run this big company, or but I would have said that I was definitely interested in it and curious around it. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, at fifteen, I was very. I was very unsure about what my path would be, I would yeah. say. But I was open to... I The idea of running my own business seemed like something that I could do, I would say. And what about school? I wasn't that great at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I found it difficult with um, academics. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't... I, was, I went to a very academic school, but I wasn't particularly academic, so... That that was a difficult. I found that a difficult thing because I was always bottom of the class. So that yeah, that didn't. It wasn't an easy time for me in that regard. Although I did enjoy school. Why do you Why do you think you weren't academic? Yeah. Um. I think I just used to. I found it really difficult to focus, um, on one thing and to sit down. I found it really really difficult to be in a class. Like the classroom environment was not an easy place for me to be. Um. So I just struggled with it. So let's let's fast track a little bit. So you spent a lot of your career in marketing, right? Yeah. So how did you how did you end up there? Uh, kind of by accident in a way. In that I'd studied, I went to study business at, uh, at university. I changed course because I realised I didn't want to do business. I changed course to like media and cultural studies, and ended up studying kind of film and documentary making. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I knew I wanted to be in something creative, but also I wanted to be able to live in London and earn a living. So someone had told me about advertising. Yeah. It was a good balance. So I joined a graduate training course for McCann Erickson. And then about a year and a half later, I got poached by BBH and ended up finishing off my advertising career there. 
And so you worked at BBH since for from 2004 to 2008. Why did you decide to like? What was that experience like working there? It was a great experience. It was a great agency. It was really creative. They did some of the best work, like really seminal mm-hmm. advertising work. It was super smart people there. I learned a huge amount. Would never have been able to do Headspace without that experience. Um, it was just great. I it, I it run its course by the end, but while I was there, it was a wonderful experience. It was also really hard and challenging, uh, but I got given a lot of opportunity and responsibility there. What were you What were you in charge of there? So I was running accounts, and then I ended up running new business departments, so running pitches, and then I ended up um, working for Zag, which was the brand invention mm-hmm. part of um, of the agency where we were coming up with brands from scratch. Yeah, like an innovation lab. And so throughout your, at the end of your time at BBH, you experienced this burnout. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's quite common with marketing, advertising. Yeah. Um, individuals, people who work in that field. Yeah. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's just a sense of um, feeling very anxious, mm-hmm. uh, feeling very overwhelmed and not necessarily having the skills or the mental capacity or the uh, the maturity to be able to handle it. And so in the end, you just kind of, I just burnt out. Like I had nothing left yeah. in the tank. Um, and so I think it's a combination of being young, lots of responsibility, not the right skills or training, and probably not doing the thing that was fulfilling me. You know, I didn't feel fulfilled selling deodorant to teenage boys. Yeah. How like so that kind of led to Headspace. Yeah. How did you meet Andy? We got introduced by a friend. Mm-hmm. So a friend, Adam Breeden, he wanted some help um, marketing his clinic and I wanted some help learning meditation. And so we did a skill swap. When we return, how that skill swap turned into a friendship, and then eventually a partnership. This is The Ones Who Succeed. I'm Campbell Barron. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after a brief word from our sponsor. This season of The Ones Who Succeed is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, technology, design, and more. You can take classes in social media marketing, video editing, entrepreneurship, you name it, they've got it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or just explore a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today, because Skillshare is offering the first 250 people who click the link in the description two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes all for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com succeed. Again, that's Skillshare.com succeed to start your first two months now. And a special thanks to Skillshare for sponsoring this season. It's the ones who succeed. I'm Campbell Barron. Welcome back to the program. So while living in the UK, Rich and Andy started Headspace. But at first, the product wasn't actually an app. In fact, Headspace was actually an in-person group meditation studio based in London, England. Essentially, an events business. And it was like this for the first two years, until something interesting happened. As Headspace events grew in popularity, people started emailing them, asking them to record their sessions as MP3s and sell them online. So they did, and it was working. But their core product the events were losing money, and Rich and Andy needed to pivot. So as you probably know today, Headspace is a subscription service. 
You pay $12.99 a month and get access to their whole library of meditation content. And this idea to make it a subscription service came to them when they hosted an event in New York. How they got the idea is actually quite simple. Someone literally said to them, you should sell your meditation sessions online as a subscription service. And immediately, Rich and Andy realized that this was the way to go. So they hustled and built the bare bones of an app, essentially a minimum viable product, and relaunched the company in 2012. Meditation has been shown to reduce stress, to improve focus, and create the right conditions for healthy, restful sleep. Headspace is guided meditation for everybody, no matter who you are or what you do. Whether you're just starting meditating... Right after the app launched, Headspace got some press. For example, they were featured in The Guardian, and after that, it snowballed from there. You launched this product... Do you, and then you raise some money. Mm-hmm. And then that definitely, that changes everything, mm-hmm. right? So what happens? You build, you hire people, you build a team. Well, we moved the team from the UK to the US. Right. So we moved here in 2013. Mm-hmm. So roughly a year after we launched that first version of the product. Um, and then we launched the second version of the product in about July of 2014. We were still building it in the UK. Yeah. And then in December, so it was really a point of once we um, raised the money in 2015, um, that's when we started scaling the team, building everything internally and just trying to scale it as, as good as we can. So that was the, it was really about putting the infrastructure in place and getting the right people on on the bus, as it were. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I guess something that's kind of I think about a lot. Yeah, you were building this earlier. You were you, you were very scrappy at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you got all this money. Mm-hmm. Did the did the hustle that you kind of had disappear when you raised money? Yeah, I think it checked. Like, if I honestly look at it, I think it did change the dynamic. Like, we moved into this office where we are now. And at the time, it was a really big space, but we only had like forty six, forty seven people, and it, we were kind of. Everyone was a bit like, Who, are we going to fill the space? We have, and we filled it pretty quick. But I think it definitely changed the, yeah, I think it definitely changed a bit of the hunger profile of, of folks. Um, yeah, I think it did. So you have, like, you're, you're a co-founder, mm-hmm. right? You have another co-founder. Mm-hmm. I guess, how do, you, how do you decide what's done between the two of you? Yeah. That, that's something that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Like, what's the dynamic there? Well, it's very simple with Andy and I because Andy's the meditation teacher mm-hmm. and I run the business. So they're very I – like, I don't go into a recording booth and start recording meditation content and people know to go to him for that. And he's our authentic expert. So I think he's like our lead authentic expert across health and happiness broadly, not just in meditation. And we speak a lot about the business and the big decisions. He comes to all the board meetings, comes to all the offsites. He's actually got a very good point of view and instinct around business, although he's not a traditionally trained business kind of person. Uh, so we, we talk all the time. Like we're also kind of best friends outside of work. Like he married my wife and I, Yeah, I see him a lot of weekends. I know he's, you know, grown up with all his kids. Mm-hmm. And so, we have a very tight relationship and because coming back to that that vision piece, we're both very aligned on that, always have been. And look, we don't we don't disagree. Like we're not we're very much on the same page. Like we we have healthy discussions about stuff, but we, we are very aligned on what we want this thing to be and how to build it. So we've just Andy and I have never had a never had an issue in ten years that we've kind of worked together, which is very unusual, I think. 
So I guess people who are listening to this probably might be thinking just kind of what we've talked about so far. You launched it was kind of a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there were challenges you faced. Yeah. Yeah. Could you just talk about yeah, some of them? There's loads. I mean, like the. I mean, where'd you start? Like the event business didn't work. Mm-hmm. So there were multiple moments. I think that's what you forget. It's like there were two years of like a thousand, ten thousand failures. You know, and we didn't get a lot of things right in those. But we were learning as we were going. But we were making a lot of mistakes, and. Yes, the subscription worked when we put it up, but then we didn't have any technical talent in house, so it was all built on, and it wasn't stable, and it wasn't going to scale. So there were so many roadblocks that were going to. Ha- we moved to America. Andy, when we first moved here, we'd only been here about six or seven weeks, and then Andy got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Really? Yeah, and um, we weren't sure whether he was going to he was going to survive that. So that was obviously an incredibly difficult thing for him and his family, but mm-hmm. we just moved here. Like we, like the business, we was trying to start. We hadn't raised money then. It was like super early on. So those things are really, really tough. Um, you know, we bought out some early investors that you know we we weren't aligned with. That was very difficult. We hired a really senior person that we thought was going to help us scale it. It didn't work out that way. That was a really difficult situation. So there's been, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about all the, di- although the business has, has worked and has, has been on an upward trajectory, the, the actual building of the thing has been really, really tough, mm-hmm. really tough. Like in this early days, you have to be all scrappy. And then you raise this money, and then we just talk about today. Yeah. It, it's still tough. Yeah, I actually think that I I take the early days over these days anytime. There's something really. You're scared that you're always going to go out of business, and you're never going to be able to pay people's wages. That 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 is just you're you live with that constant fear the whole time in those early days. Is it going to work? Are we going to survive? Is it going to work? It's like you're just doing that. Now it's not so much that. But it's more like, how do you scale a business? How do you like run three hundred people? We're gonna be five hundred people next year. Like how those, the operational um, kind of challenges that come with a scaling business are really really tough. And then you've got a lot more people to deal with, more people problems. Like those, it's just a different set of problems. But it it just gets hard in different ways. But it's always mm-hmm. hard. Do you still have sleepless nights? Yeah, like depending on what's going on. Like I've always, I've actually been very lucky. I've always slept really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to, my he- I do tend to go to sleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. But of course, when there's like really difficult things going on, yeah, you don't sleep that well. So do you, do you consider like Headspace is kind of revolved around this app? Yeah. Do you consider Headspace a media company? Is it a technology company? Yeah, like I'd say that it's actually... We don't think about it as a media company at all. Actually, we think about it as a as a pro, you know a product company that's um, presenting folks with experiences that can help mm-hmm. them improve their health and happiness. But the technology is really you know in the same way that if you went to Netflix, they wouldn't say they're a content company. I think they would say they're a content company and a technology company, and that both those things fuel each other. Mm-hmm. We really believe that. Um, technology and our experiences fuel the member experience yeah so we do see it as as both very much so why do you think if you kind of look back at the journey Mm. why do you think headspace was so successful i think that one um i think it was 
right time, right place. Like I think to launching this in 2010, we were really early. Um, and I think that we had the perfect timing when we launched it so that it's we've scaled as the as as the macro yeah. have kind of scaled as well, as the macros kind of scaled. So I think timing was a massive, massive part of it. I think the team, the types of people that we attracted to the to the to the vision has been amazing. People that have worked that work for us that don't work for us anymore did an amazing job. People that here have done an amazing job, people that have helped us. I think there's so many things. I think the way the brand's presented, um, yeah, I just think we were kind of, there's a lot of luck involved in it, I would say, as well as I think we've made some good decisions along the way. Mm -hmm. How do you, now obviously when you're kind of on, sitting on something really big and into mm -hmm. working, you have a bunch of other people that start to replicate what you're doing. Yeah. How do you differentiate yourself, not just with Headspace, but yeah. like as a company yeah. um, from the competitors well i think one is how do you build like a really compelling culture that's unique to to yourself and so that's why our values of selfless drive courageous heart curious mind they're very specific to the type of culture that we want to build here so that flows through everything that you do um so hopefully you build a team of of people that are really unique to the type of culture that you want to build so that's an internal thing and i think mm -hmm. that starts to spread externally and then, look, we have a, a very specific point of view about how we want to build products and services. And, look, I think health and happiness is going to be a huge, huge – it is a huge space. It's going to continue to be a, a big space, and it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Um, and, you know, we have a very we have a very set strategy that we're trying to follow and that we're trying to execute on. Um and we feel really confident about that as a team. And so we just really stick to our, you know, I think you want to have one look at competition to not be blasé about it, to notice what they're doing. But also you've really got to just execute on what you believe is the thing that makes you special and different. Um, so that's what we try and do. So one thing that's kind of interesting about what Headspace is doing, they collect data that's used for research purposes. Mm -hmm. So why why is that important to you? Well, our thing is, so if you go back to our, like one of our core kind of product levers is, um, is authentic expertise. And that for us is really important. Mm -hmm. In a world where there's a lot of snake oil around health and happiness like who do you trust yeah and so one thing i think is you trust the teacher where they've come from so has this person done their training do they really know what they're talking about if i'm going to let you literally be in my head i want to yeah. know that the person knows what they're talking about yeah so i feel really good that we have that in andy at the same time i think we really want to prove out that it can change outcomes for folks and so science is a one, we've been working on that since 2010. So we have like 66 published papers, four clinical trials. We have the four largest meditation uh, research papers ever conducted. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and so we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to proving out reductions in healthcare costs and actual ROI on using Headspace, which is really exciting. And I think that starts to allow us to go into B2B, which, you know, we already have like 300 clients as mm -hmm. part of our yeah. B2B offering. And so science, I think, just creates a, an authenticity and trust halo over the core brand, but also allows us to go into new markets. Mm -hmm. So as you think back on your career and your time building Headspace, just your life in general do you think like you've always had ideas like mm -hmm. we've talked about you've always kind of had this entrepreneurial 
t- tendencies. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are born entrepreneurs? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think, I think you, um, yeah, I think you have to be kind of pretty curious to kind of want to go down that. And I think you, you have to have an element of, um, of not being too scared. Because I think if you thought about, like, not being too rational, because I think if you thought about all the things, because so many things could go wrong all the time, and if you only thought about all the things that could go wrong rather than things that could go right, I don't think you'd ever get out of bed in the morning and mm-hmm. do it. I also, I don't know, for me at least, I'm not sure I could have sustained the last 10 years unless I was working on something that I actually felt was having impact. Yeah. I'm not sure I, personally, I know other people can, they, they just love... The idea of building teams and business, like that's what fuels them. That's not personally what kind of fuels me. It's more it's more about like what is the impact that you're having and are you working on a real problem that you feel that you can solve? Mm-hmm. I think without that I'd have, I might have started, but I think I would have lost interest. If you weren't if you weren't building a headspace right now, yeah. what do you think you'd be doing? I'd love to be like I tell you things I would love to be doing, like if I wasn't doing this, I would I'd love to go back to um, to art college and and really kind of study art properly, and I'd, I'd quite like to be a teacher. I think if I if I had the the choice to live a bit more of a, a simple life, probably, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd love that. So, do you think do you think you're going to be a serial entrepreneur? No, no, I know that categorically. Mm-hmm. Why Why do you think that is? Because I think I've got other interests outside of running a business and um, there's other things that I would like to do with my life like I'd, I'd like I said I'd love to work out how we can give back to where all this came from and be involved in that that kind of lineage and, and community um, I'd love to explore some things that I never got to explore at school and to learn a bit more about some other other pieces and I'm married at the moment, but don't have family. But I'd also like to be pretty present if I did have a family. I'd like mm-hmm. to be around for my kids rather than, you know, working all the time. So those things for me are, like, I feel like there's a lot of other stuff that I could do with my life. Mm-hmm. And the idea of running a business, another business, this is a once once in a lifetime opportunity for me. Um, so I want to make the most of it, but I I can't see myself doing another one. So where do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, well, I'd love to, I'd love for the vision to be a lot further on and for us to feel like we've really changed the conversation around how people think about health and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I'd like to be living, a, uh, I'd like to be learning and, and teaching. That would be something that I would, I'd love to do. So for my last question, how often do you use Headspace? Every day. Yeah. So I met first thing I do in the morning is I meditate for uh, for an hour mm-hmm. and then we do a 10 o'clock session here every day and a three o'clock session with the team. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using it all the time is the truth. So it's, uh, yeah, I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to use it. And I've, you know, I've, I've ever since Andy taught me that first day, I've, I've done it every single day since I've never kind of I've never missed a day because it's the, it's the kind of the center point of everything I do. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rich, for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ken.
that is Rich Pearson, the co-founder and CEO of Headspace. Thank you for listening to our extended conversation. And just a couple more things before you go. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could leave us a positive review. It helps more listeners find the show, and it would really mean a lot if you could do that. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, but you still want to help out the show, the best thing you could do is share this show with a family member or friend so they can learn from the ones who succeed too. As well, this is really important. Before you go, have you checked out our YouTube channel yet? It's actually the core of the ones who succeed because every week we post a shorter form video interview with cool graphics, drone footage, and of course, key clips from our interview all in a short bite-sized video. So why not take a peek and check out our YouTube channel? Our episode with Rich Pearson is out now. To find our channel, simply enter the URL www.bit.ly slash succeed YouTube. That's all lowercase letters, by the way. Or type in the ones who succeed in the YouTube search bar. Also, this podcast does not live underground. Follow us on Instagram at the ones who succeed and on Twitter at ones who succeed and visit our website. It's the main hub for the show by entering the URL www.theonesucceed.com. This show is produced by me and my mom, Lily Yerkstevich. Our theme music is by Alta. Our ad music is by Per Anders Nilsson and additional audio by youtube.com slash get some headspace. Our executive producer is Robert Barron, and thanks again to Skillshare for sponsoring the show. As well, special thanks to Lily Yerkstevich, Robert Barron, Sophia Yerkstevich, Jackie Burns, Steph Matisse, Britta Franson, and of course, Rich Pearson. I am Campbell Barron. Thank you very much for making it to the end of this episode. Here are some scenes from next week's episode of The Ones Who Succeed. Next week, on the season finale of The Ones Who Succeed, I chat with the CEO of the company that made this show possible, Skillshare. Our season finale with Matt Cooper, the CEO of Skillshare, is next week on The Ones Who Succeed.